Exodus chapter number two, starting at verses number one. Exodus chapter number two, verses number one. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on everybody, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Exodus, chapter number two, starting in verses number one. Thank you, Jesus. Bible declares, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Five declares, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. She felt compassion. Her heart was moved. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then, thank you, Jesus. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you so much again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. Help me, Greg McGee, to get completely out of the way, hiding myself now behind the cross that many may not see. Honor, glory to Greg. At this hour, thank you, Jesus. All honor, all glory goes to you. You're so worthy. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says. So today, I want to deal with this idea. Um, one of the hardest jobs I've had in my life. And you're looking at a fella, 43 years old. I've been working since the age of eight years old. My father had a lawn business. And I was, I was pushing lawnmowers like this, eight years old. Wasn't getting paid much. <laughs> Matter of fact, didn't get paid at all. <laughs> my, did, my dad did pay me one time. He paid for some account, and that, that $100 payment lasted for like 10 years. Every time I say, Dad, can I have some money? Remember that summer camp I paid for? <laughs> so eight years old, man, 43, and I've had a lot of jobs. I've done what was necessary to take care of my responsibilities, to take care of my business. 
but one of the hardest jobs I've ever had in my life and continue to have is being somebody's daddy. Parenting is, is tough. It is, it is challenging. Um, it is one of the most challenging jobs, and y'all forgive me. Somebody said one time, they said, matter of fact, I've heard this several times, they said it's one of the most rewarding jobs. Well, I ain't got to my reward yet. <laughs> I ain't got to mine. Matter of fact, one of my mentors said, um, concerning his grandchildren, he said, don't kill your children because, because better ones are coming. <laughs> so if you just want to strangle them, just hold up. It's some, it's some ones that's better than them that's coming. Just hang on in there. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, just hang on in there. They coming, they coming. <laughs> so... When it comes to tough jobs, tough assignments as a believer, th this is what I strive to do. Not just because I'm a pastor, um, but as a man of God, as, as someone who loves God, for someone who wants to please God, what I want to do, I want to go to the book, go to the scripture to see what are the biblical commands as well as the principles. Because I believe that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what, y'all? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, we give this declaration every single Sunday. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. So when it comes to all subjects, and in particular today, parenting, I want to see what does the Scripture, because if I can see what the Scripture says and I obey it, I honor it, and I apply it. There's a grace that accompanies me in doing what I'm called to do when I, when I do what I do based on what the Word of God says. So I'm looking at the Word of God, what is actually commanding. In Ephesians 6 and 4, the Bible declares, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training. Everybody shout training. He says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 declares, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this idea of training, I want to add a definition to it. When it comes to training, training is teaching a particular skill or type of behavior through practice, instruction over a period of time. Teaching particular skills, types of behaviors. That's how I want you to act at school. It's how I want you to act when you're around other folk. Through practice, everybody shall practice. So in training, there's this repetitious thing that's going on. So they're not going to get it the first time. So you got to continue to tell them to, to, to clean up behind the dog and take the dog out that your mama got that I didn't want anyway. You have to train them. So they're not going to get it the first time. And that last part is what's powerful. It's the most important statement to me in this definition. Over a period of time. So in essence, you, you got to be careful because when you hear this phrase, a period of time, sometimes you feel as though that you got long. And how many know as a parent, you ain't got long? Come on, that training, that training period is fleeting. Are, are y'all with me? So you don't have, come on, because there's certain lessons that they don't get at a certain age. It's going to be very difficult for them to. But this is an important assignment because this is what God tells, this is what God tells Adam and Eve. God says, the Bible declares in Genesis 1:26 that God creates man in his image and in his likeness. And then he tells Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful and multiply. In essence, God says, I want more fruit that looks like me. 
So why you look like me? Go ahead and have babies because I want more of y'all. Well, the problem is sin mars the image of God. So had Adam and Eve had babies before the fall, then everything would have, parenting would have been so easy because our children would have, matter of fact, they probably would have came out potty trained. <laughs> it would have been so easy as prior to the fall. But after the fall, the Bible declares all of us are born in sin and we are shaping in iniquity. Therefore, it requires parents to godly train their children, instruct them in righteousness. Because how many know you don't have to teach a child a lie, but you do have to teach them to tell the truth? Are y'all with me in this place? So what I want to do, if, if I could just take my time, and I'm not going to be before you very long, I just want to highlight components that are necessary when it comes to training a child in the way that they should go. And I'm extrapolating these principles out of the story of Moses, how his parents, what they did in order to prepare Moses to be the ruler, the man of God that he was for the children of Israel. So if you're taking notes, I want you to jot these three things down. Number one, seeing. Number two, protecting. Number three, connecting. Seeing, protecting, connecting. If you're going to properly train your child, if you're going to raise them up in a manner that pleases and honors God, these three principles must be fruitful in your life concerning your babies. You have to be able to see. You've got to protect and you've got to connect. Are you all ready to dive into this? Let's do it. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, verse number 23, speaking of the story we just read in the book of Exodus, the Bible declares, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they, everybody shout, they saw. There it is. They, they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were, they were not afraid of the king's edict. Here it is. You got to be careful because sometimes what the enemy will try to do is he will try to so highlight the decadent behavior of your children that you lose that glimmer in your eye concerning your babies. And what will wind up happening, you always love them, but you start not to like them. And I know it's real quiet. Y'all ain't, ain't going to be too many amens up in here, but it's all right. I want y'all to just hang in there with me because if you're going to really train them, if you're going to really invest the proper time that they need, you got to do more than love them, but you got to like them. Come on, somebody. You got to look at your baby in the midst of their mess and see the promise that God spoke to you about them. Can somebody say amen to that? How do you see your babies? Do you still see them as the gift that God gave to you? Or are you seeing little Pookie as the troublemaker that he's turning out to be? Because you're going to direct in the way that you see. And if you see him as a troublemaker, then that's all you're going to put up with as a troublemaker. But despite his behavior, if you see that he's a man of God, if you see that he's going to do something great in his life, despite what he's currently in, if you can see, because seeing, watch this, leads to protecting. The Bible declares that, that, that Moses' parents, despite the king's edict, and what happened was the king declared that all of these Hebrew baby boys should be killed, should be murdered. But the Bible declares that they weren't afraid of the king's edict because they saw something special in, their, in that boy's eyes. Scripture declares, Exodus 2-2, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son when she saw that he was a fine child. 
She hid him for three months. Everybody shout, seeing provokes protection. Yeah, so not only should you see, but you should protect. You should protect. Pastor McGee, protect my babies from what? I'll tell you what you should protect them from. Number one, you ought to protect them from themselves. You got to protect your babies from themselves. Let, let's, let me make this plain. Um, from the time of birth, a horse takes two years to come to full maturity. Two years. Pig, goat, nine months. Bah. Ready to do whatever goats do. Chickens. Legs and thighs and breasts, wings. Full maturity, eight weeks. A child takes 25 years to come to full maturity. 25 years. Watch this. Watch this. Research suggests that most human brains take about 25 years to develop, although the human brain matures in size during adolescence. That's why your babies 13, 14 think they grown. No, your head just got bigger. That's all that is. Although the human brain matures in size during adolescence, important developments within the prefrontal cortex and other regions still take place uh, well into one's 20s. Here's the prefrontal cortex, its functions. This, 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 this lobe that's still developing controls the planning, decision-making, solving problems, management of moods. That's the, pre, that's the function of the prefrontal cortex. And some of us, I'm challenging you today as your pastor because I love you, but some of you guys are putting decision-making responsibilities into the hands of people that can't make them yet. They can't make that decision yet. What are you trying to say, pastor? Decisions like, do you feel like going to church today? They can't make decisions like that yet. Come on. In, in, in my house, th this is a decision we don't give our children an opportunity to make. Like, like, what do you want to eat tonight? <laughs> no, the decision is, this what we cook. So this is what you eating. Because I promise you, if, if we give them that opportunity, let me just talk about my house. My, my son, he played real well the other night. And so he said, Dad, can you buy me something for, for scoring, scoring points tonight? I said, I got you, boy. So we went to the store. We looked all over the stuff. He saw a chocolate bar. He said, Dad, can I have it? I said, son, it's yours. I bought a chocolate bar. We go home. The next morning, Nate comes to me, and he said, Dad, somebody ate half of my chocolate bar. <laughs> I don't know who ate it. But you can't put decisions into a kid's hand like that because a kid sees what's good, what tastes good. They're not able to make decisions. That speaks to pre-diabetics or high blood pressure or all these other sicknesses that's related to managing weight. They can't make decisions like that. So you got to protect them from themselves. Can somebody say amen to that? Here's number two. Thank you, Jesus. You got to protect your babies from your pain. 
You got to protect your children from your, per your personal pain because understand, all of us have history. All of us have traumas that we've gone through. And what you have to do, you got to make sure that you get yourself together. Isn't it crazy? My God. God desires for parents to raise children in his image, and we still growing up into the image ourselves. So I got to raise you to grow up while I'm growing up at the same time. Are y'all with me in this place? So while I'm growing up, I got to make sure I don't spill blood on you. Come on, somebody. While God is having surgery on me. So if you need some counseling, baby, get you some counseling. If you need to talk with somebody, talk with somebody. If you need to pray today, you pray today. Do what you need to do so your babies aren't affected by your pain. You got to protect them from your pain. And then there's sometimes it's not necessarily trauma that gets us in trouble. Sometimes even parents themselves have this codependent relationship on their children. Maybe you got a maybe you got a problem with the baby daddy or the baby mama and the love that you should have been or could have been given to your 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 spouse, your husband or your wife. Now you are smothering your baby with that love and you're developing a codependent relationship. He never grows up to be what he could be as a man and you never mature to let him go as a mother you gotta protect him from your pain can somebody say amen to that number three what do you protect your babies from you gotta protect them from evil and indifferent people because how many know there's some craziness out there it's some child molesters out there. It's some folk that don't mind touching children out there. It's some evil folks out there. It's some people that are walking to school, look at your, ba look at your five-year-old baby in the eye and will blow their brains out. There are some evil people out there, and you just can't take it for granted. Just because I'm saved, just because I love the Lord, ain't nothing going to happen to my baby. No faith without works. Are y'all hearing me in this place? You got to protect your babies from evil people and not just evil people, but indifferent people. What are indifferent people? It's crazy. It's some folk out there that don't care nothing about your children. They ain't evil. Ooh, let me just bring it on. It's some family members that don't care nothing about your children. No, no, real talk, real talk, real talk. My, my, my most heated debates within my family have been this. You mean to tell me you knew that my baby was doing something and you ain't tell me? Please don't give me that. Well, I ain't want to get into all of that. Baby, if my child is in a burning house and you look at the flames and the embers and you see that the roof is collapsing, and you say, well, I don't want to get into all of that. You're going to be in trouble, not with Pastor, but with Greg from Nagaport. So indifferent folk, I got to keep my babies away. Because there's some folk, they can, uh, look, if you having sex, you, you do what you do. You smoking, you do what you do. You, you in gangs, you do what you do. The devil is absolutely a liar. So what do you do, Pastor McGee? You got to connect your, 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 your children to the right people. As parents, it's your responsibility to create an environment. Are, are y'all with me in this place? My kids on to me all the time. Charity, Greg Jr., they all say the same thing. Why are you, Dad, why are you talking to my friends? I'm going to tell you why I'm talking to your friends. Because if I can find out what your friends is in, I know what you in or about to get into. So can Taquita come over? She sure can. 
Hey, Ty, how you doing? Let's have a conversation. It's your responsibility to create an environment because here's the reality. I can't be in my children's presence 100% of the time, but I can create an environment that's conducive for the teaching, or y'all with me in this place, that will help them, that will nurture them, that will grow up. Even when it comes to my baby's teachers, I want to know, here it is, here it is. I want to know, does, the, does their teacher see what I see? Because if you can't see a bright young child like I see, then maybe you don't need to be teaching. My, maybe I need to request another teacher. If I can't get another teacher, you know what? It's going to be a sacrifice, but I will move to another school district. Come on, somebody. That get to find a teacher that's going to love my baby the way that I love my baby. Can you say amen to that? I want to show you the wisdom of this, one, this parent that sees something special about her child, that decided that I'm going to do everything in my power to protect my child, even if it means putting my very life in danger, I'm going to protect my baby. Look at the wisdom that she flows in. Bible declares that the king issues an edict. Every baby boy got to die. Thrown in the Nile. It's done. She hid him until she couldn't hide Moses no more. So this is the wisdom that she flows in. She creates this small ark, puts Moses in it, and she floats him down the Nile to one of the women, the daughters of the Pharaoh. What do they tell the children now that if you ever lost, what should you do? They tell children, to find a woman with a little baby. Why woman with a little baby? Because if she got a heart for her kids, she'll have a heart for your kids. Moses said, Moses' mother said, if I can't raise him no more, if I can't protect him no more, if I can't hide him no more, let me find somebody that's going to take care of my boy the way I'm taking care of. Let me see, where can I send him? I tell you what, Pharaoh's daughter. If, if, if she can see what I see in my baby, oh my God, although she's the king's daughter, the king gives the edict to annihilate all the baby boys. But if his baby, if his daughter will see in my son what I see in my son, I can spare his life. Floats him down the Nile River. Moses began to cry. Connection happens in that heart. Oh my God, today she takes him. Moses' sister watching her baby brother. Let me talk to the big sisters and the big brothers up in here. You got a huge responsibility in helping your parents with your, with your, with your siblings. Because the reality is, it's certain things Pookie won't listen to when mama say it, but if you say it, come on, if you will enforce what they say when they're not there. Are y'all with me in this place? Big sister watching Moses, what you doing? goes up to Pharaoh. She says, she says, would you like for me to get one of the Egyptian women to nurse her? She goes and gets Moses' mother. And the Bible declares Pharaoh's daughter says, I pay you to raise your own son. That's what she's saying. That's it. I need one of them blessings. I need to get paid to raise my kids. <laughs> my kids. They something else. Yes, Lord. Nate was all right. He turning into something else right now. That boy asked me so many questions the other day. 
I said, I had to just turn on the radio. I just. Look, look, look at, look at how God orchestrated this. I believe when you got a heart to do things that please God, God will, God will help you fulfill your heart's desire. She had a heart, Brother Jones, to raise him, to nurture him. And now she gets an opportunity because this right here, he's going he's gonna to be raised in Pharaoh's house. What's the old saying? The hand that rocks the cradle. What's that? What's, what's the saying? <laughs> Maybe I'm making that up. I don't know. Let me say how I hear it in my head. The hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world. Because what's in this cradle is going to be a world changer. So although Moses is in Pharaoh's house, he's still being raised by his mother. And she's teaching. Say it again. What you do? Just Google that. Thank you. I was going to thank you, but thank you, Google. We have a responsibility as parents. But this is where I really want to go. Um, so for the past couple of weeks, we've been dealing with this idea of a party of one, embracing God's heart for singleness. And the real challenge for many of us uh, is that we're single parents. One, one of the things, it's real funny because um, when my wife, when she, was, when she was in her birthing years, can I say it like that? Is that offensive? Because <laughs> I'm not offended at all. <laughs> Because I'm years over. Watch this. <laughs> Look, when she was in her birthing years, go to work, you know, she's watching the baby all day, you know, doing what she do. Then I, I'd be at work, and and as um, soon as I get home, she'd have the diaper bag and all the stuff laid out, and she'd just give me the baby. Here, I'm gone. Where you going? Anywhere. <laughs> I'm just gone. But as a single parent, you ain't got nobody to say, tag, you it. It's, it's just you. And it's tough. And, and I want to, I kind of want to apologize because um, we, we said, I said, I'm going to throw you in there too. We, we said, my wife and I, we said some things concerning single that don't fit every single. And this is what we said. We said that, okay, ju juxtaposing the state of singleness with a married, you know, couple. So we said, singles, your money, your money. Your time, your time. You want to go out there and buy that Genesis G80? Your money, go buy it. Praise the Lord. I have to beg for permission. But I believe God going to give me favor. We said, your money is your money. Your time is your time. And that's applicable to singles. If you ain't got kids. But if you a single parent, <laughs> your money, they money. <laughs> your time, they time. And don't let them play sports and be in the band. 
It's a huge responsibility. So I, I want to talk about single parenting. I ask God, give, give, me, give me somebody in the Bible that was a single parent. And so I'm just racking my brain. Who, who a single mother? Who's a single mother? Who's a single mother? Who, who's a single mother who daddy could have been there but chose not to be there? Where's that pattern in the Bible? And it hit me. It was this woman that God gave a promise to. Her and her husband. That I'm going to give you a seed. And this seed is going to be so great and going to spread over the land. And this couple got... They got tired of waiting for this promise. So this woman made a decision that I, I, in my cultural context, it just don't make sense. Um, she used a surrogate named Hagar and, and told her servant and her husband to sleep together. I just can't see that. Lady McGee be like, ooh, my head hurt. Greg, just, just, um, <laughs> that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I ain't gonna be able to get, go home. And so, seemed like a good idea, surrogate baby, until the baby was born. And then all of a sudden, Sarah, she got a problem with this. She started, she started saying stuff like, that child and my child we can't be together. Now, Hagar, she in, a, she in a bad situation because she didn't ask for this. It just happened. And I want to show you this in the text. Let's, let's look at this, Genesis 21 and 8. It's almost, almost done. The Bible declares, the child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. And Sarah said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. They got to go. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Now, this is the situation. Whoo, Jesus. This is the situation. Because I know many brothers in this situation right here, not, 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 the, not, not the context, but trying to be faithful to a family, but you know you have got outside kids. And sometimes that can be a struggle. Sometimes it can be a tension of trying to address your house. But you know you got children otherwise that you got to take care of as well. Abraham is distressed. Now, God gives Abraham a, wi a wisdom that's applicable for his time. And I want to exegete what God is going to say so we can all be on the same page. Because, watch this, if you made the baby, you ought to take care of the baby. You ought to take care of the baby. Care what you got to do. They need your money and your time. <laughs> Did nothing but women say amen. Can a brother say amen? That was so weak. Like, amen. Whatever. Move on to the next point, Pastor. <laughs> the matter distressed Abraham. I mean, let me just deal with that, man. Come on, fellas. 
You got to be in that baby's life. Don't let them grow up with that trauma. Had one guy came up to me and he said, man, mama won't let me see the child. And I told him, man, look, I love my wife. I really do love my wife. But the things that happened, I don't care what I had to do. I just show up at their school. I do what I got to do because I'm going to be in my baby's life because they babies need to see their daddy. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Twelve declares, but God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy. That's comforting him. Or your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring, offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. Now look, look at the wisdom that God has given him. So this mess that Abraham came up with, that was out of your flesh. God says, I'm still going to bless the mess, but for this season of your life, you got to focus on the promise, what I'm doing, because watch this. God gives a promise in Genesis chapter number three that, that, that a seed is going to be born that's going to bruise the head of the serpent, the head of the enemy. Where does that seed come from? Abraham begets Isaac, Isaac Jacob, Jacob the 12 patriarchs. Out of the 12 patriarchs, there's one by the name of Judah. And from Judah comes Jesse, from Jesse comes David, from David comes the Messiah, Jesus. So Abraham, this is a heavy burden. I'm going to take care of Ishmael, but you got a heavy responsibility to make sure that you raise Isaac the way I need you to raise him because out of Isaac is going to be birthed a Messiah that's going to be the redeemer for the world. That's the context. He ain't off the hook, but that's the context. 14 declares, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and the skin of water, and gave them the Hagar. That's child support. <laughs> That's what it is. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Fifteen declares, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And she sat there. She began to sob. Hagar's in a bad situation. She didn't ask to be in this, but she's there. She's got a child. She's a single mother, and it's her responsibility to raise this boy, to take care of this boy. And she sees that I can't do it. And maybe, maybe that single mom or that's some single dad that's in this sanctuary, or maybe you're watching me online and you're finding yourself in that situation right now. The resources that I need to be able to provide for this child, I do not have them. And you're like, Hagar, you are crying, you're sobbing. I'm discouraged. I'm dis depressed. I'm distressed because of the situation of trying to, because I want to be able to give my babies, the stuff that I didn't have, I want them to have more than what I have, but I can't even give them the necessities of life. 17 declares, God heard the boy crying. Somebody shout, God hears. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. 
lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. You got to go back to the promises that God spoke to you. The scripture declares, I, I, love this, I love this scripture in Jeremiah where God speaks to this young prophet and he says, before you were formed in your mother's belly, before you came out of her womb, I had already ordained you to be a prophet unto the nation. And I believe since God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, concerning all of our lives, God has spoken over us before our mothers conceived us, before we were formed in her belly, that God had already ordained something great for us. You got to search out what is that great thing that you've spoken concerning my baby. My wife, my wife, after we lost our, our first son, Robert, and God gave us Greg Jr., but she, she, she put in, a, in, in under his name, for this is the child that I prayed for. So in tough times, guess what she got to go back to? This is the child that God gave me. This is the child that I prayed for. There's a promise that's spoken over your bed. I need y'all to hear me in this play. There are promises, yeah, over Tafari, there are promises that are spoken over his life. And you need to know what those promises are. So when tough times, when the head of tough times arises, you'll be able to speak against the tough times with the promises that God has given you. Lift the boy up, take him by the hand, for I, am, I will make him into a great nation. Now watch this, 19 declares, then God opened her eyes. Somebody shout, God opened my eyes. Say it again, God opened my eyes. One more time, God opened my eyes. Look, the Bible declares, then God opened her eyes. She's getting ready to die of thirst, her and her boy. But God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. What do you mean? The well was already there, but she couldn't see it. And I'm telling somebody today that the resources are already there. You just can't see them. You're crying, and the reason you're crying is because God just needs to open your eyes to what he has already provided for you. I believe the scripture that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and his glory. I've been young and I've been old, David said, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I'm telling you that God knows how to take care of his people. Can you say amen there? Thank you, Jesus. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. The, the water was already there. He was already there. She couldn't see it. And I'm telling you today, I need you to hear, hear my words. These are the words of the Lord, that the provision is already there. And all you need God to do, you don't need God to provide. You need God to open your eyes to the provision that's already. My God today, my God today, God knows what your needs. And there's some of you all that's been praying, and you got to understand that God is not subject to time. God is outside of time. So when the scripture declares, ask and you shall receive, well, the moment you ask, God already dropped it in a day. The moment you pray for the provision, God has already dropped it in a day. So I go from asking to praising because if the Bible declares that he's already done it, I just got to thank him in advance. God is in my today and my tomorrow all at the same time. I'm the one waiting on the seconds to tick. Come on, somebody, for me to get to the next moment. But it's already done. The provision, I want to help somebody today. The provision is already there. God opens her eyes. She saw the well of water, so she went and filled the skin with water. And gave the boy a drink. Verse number 20. <laughs> Here's my parenting verse right here. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 20, God was with Aisha, Greg, Charity, Teresa, Nathaniel, as they grew up. God was with him. You know what that tells me? When I couldn't cover them no more. And there was no, there was no Pharaoh's daughter that I can send them to. And they're going off to college now, and I can't be there. And they're getting married now, and I can't be there. What I need to know, the same God that was with Hagar is the same God that I serve. And he doesn't have a respect of person. He does have a respect of principle. And what he's done for one, he will do for another. And if he was with Ishmael, he'll be with my baby. If he was with her baby, I'm telling you today, he'll be with your baby. So you can go to bed at night and you don't have to worry and you don't have to fret and you don't have to live in fear for the rest of your life because the same God that was with him is the same God that will be with them. Can you say amen? Thank you that you're going to be with my babies. Thank you you're going to be with my babies. Thank you you're going to be with my babies. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what the devil going to try to do. I don't know where they're going to end up. All I know is wherever they go, God is going to be with my babies. Be with my babies. This is the hope and this is the promise for the parents. God going to be with my babies. It's all right, Nate. I love you, boy. You can act up, but God gonna be with you. Go ahead, Reese. Charity, Greg, Aisha, wherever y'all go. I ain't, listen, I ain't losing no more sleep at night. And parents, I need you, when your head hit the pillow tonight, you need to go to bed. You need to get rest. Some of you all, the devil is trying to drive you into an early grave worrying about something that God got. I want to help somebody in this place. Worrying about something God got. God got your babies. God got your babies. God got your babies. If you somebody's mama and daddy, I need you to rest on your feet all over this place because I want to pray over you and I want to bless you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray. I want to pray. God's so amazing. God, God says to Adam, he says to Eve, first of all, I created you in my image. I created you in my image, and I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want more image, I want more image bearers in the earth. Every time I look down at every corner of the earth, I want to see my reflection. 
sin comes into the picture and it mars the image of God. So now God says to the parents, I want you to train them up. Train them up in the nurture and the admonition of me. They have my spiritual DNA, but I want them to look like me in, my, in their behavior. So train them up. So God gives you the wisdom now. The Bible declares, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God. That gives it liberally and upbraideth not. Father, now in Jesus' name, God, every parent, God, mother, father, resting on their feet today because we need you, God, to give us the grace to raise our children in a way that pleases and honors you, Father. We all want our babies to be successful, God. We all want our babies to be productive citizens. We all want our babies to have not just the same relationship that we have, but an even greater, more intimate relationship with you than we have, God. So we're asking you, God, to give us the necessary wisdom, Lord. God, forgive us as parents in the areas where we failed you, God, and not have been the light. And maybe we said some things or we, we did some things, God, that, that, that altered our children's viewpoints, God. Forgive us, Jesus, for where we have failed. And God, the same grace we extended to our babies, we thank you that you give us that grace, that if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and you're just, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So God, we thank you. We thank you today for fresh wind, fresh fire today, to be the men and women of God that you desire for, for us to be, God. I bless you now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. God wants you to be a godly parent. He wants you to be a godly role model. But you can't be a godly nothing without God. You can't be a godly nothing without God. So if you're going to be a godly parent, if you're going to be a godly role model, then you need to submit to God. Bible declares if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that you shall be saved. What is salvation? Salvation is when the Spirit of God comes into your human spirit and takes up residence and abode. That happens when you yield your heart to him by faith believing that Jesus bled and died on the cross and rose again just for you and paid the penalty of your sins. That can happen for you today. But there are some of you all that's listening to me now. It's not that you're not saved. It's not that you've, you haven't allowed God to come into your heart. You know you're living in a way that's contrary to what you know is right. So although God might be in your life, he's not on the throne of your heart. Right now, you still running you. And as long as you run in you, you're going to continue to wreck your life and make destructive decisions concerning your children. If you're going to be a godly parent, you can't do it without God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray with you today. Maybe you're returning to God or maybe you're coming to him for the first time. Maybe you're returning or maybe you're coming to him for the first time. Either way, if you're going to do this and be successful, you got to have God in your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, everybody repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I realize without you, I am lost. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me for my sins, 
for my shortcomings. Say, God, I confess that I've been wrong in many ways and things I've said, things I've done, and things I've thought. Today, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again just for me to pay for my sins. I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my life and to sit on the throne of my heart. Say, Jesus, rule over me. Say it again. Say, Jesus, rule over me. One more time. Say, Jesus, rule over me. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you just a moment to make that prayer personal. Make it personal. That's something that you need to say to God today, and I want you to say it. Come on, talk to him now. Make this prayer personal. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I bless you once again. For this is the day that you have made. We choose to rejoice. Be glad in it. Thank you for this word, for this challenging word to all of us as parents to be diligent in what we see in our babies diligent in protecting them, diligent, God, in connecting them in the right environment. Thank you for the grace that you're giving us. Thank you that you're even opening our eyes to the necessary provisions spiritually and naturally that are already there to help us, God, to raise our babies. I give your name the praise, the honor, and all the glory. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and put those hands together all over this building. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. You may be seated. Listen to me. Um, real talk, real talk. Um, when it comes to watching your children... Go back to where you were. I like that, man. I, I want to flow right there. When it comes to watching your children, don't you, like, think through it? Like, let's say I'm going out on vacation for three or four days. I mean, you don't just call somebody and be like, hey, just watch. I mean, you think through who, who would, like, really take care of my babies. Don't, don't you do that, right? But guess what? God does the same thing when he calls someone into the ministry. Because as a minister, you're taking care of God's babies. 